0: Joke, I used, I used to, to let, let the mic smoke. smoke. Now
1: I slam it when it's done to we'll make, make sure, sure it's broke. Oh, yeah. Renegade Coach, Yo, you know what I'm saying? Was it it was Vakil's birthday? That's
2: yes, right,
0: 53 years old. 53.
1: Piece of God. You know what I'm saying? I'm glad you don't sound like that, but that was a good tip, y'all. I did it <laughs> right, I did it right. You know what I'm saying? Blow, 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 blow. I,
2: I'm, I'm muting myself. Boy. You mean uh, <laughs> anyway? What's happening, Renegade Coaches in the building? You are I am Kalanji Jamacheng, aka the Riot Starter. You're a resident African. Nope. You gonna ask me
1: who I am? Who are you? I am the new African Kamal <laughs> K. Franklin. Hello. Oh, 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 yeah. Bam. Oh, what I'm
2: saying. Long, Long, Long side.
0: Yeah. I go by the name of the Ear Doctor. Okay. And I got it's your boy Jai.
2: Okay. Hello, with Minister Server. Minister Server, who we had to center earlier. I know. You, you <laughs> never know. You never know where it's gonna come from up in this. School. You never know. It's a renegade know what's going show. On. It's a oh, renegade kidding. show. Come it's on. There's a y'all. lot of renegades up in here. Hold yeah. on. We got. I'd be remiss if I don't mention Jai sitting over here, looking like he worked out up the whole day. Like t-shirt. 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 <laughs> oh, oh. No! I mean, dude came in with a medium on. He got, he got <laughs> Professor Griff's so shirt sweet. on tonight. <laughs> 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 he wanted to show you all his muscles. Shout out to John, the intern, ja. my man in the building. Ja. How's everybody doing? Renegade coaching. We doing ja. it? 98. Show 98. Whoa, I almost know you 100. 100. 98. Almost 200. 100. Oh, man, a hundred shows, hundred episodes. Who knew it would last this long? Man, I remember I wanted to kill you after the second episode. Oh,
1: Goddamn, we you, with you. we oh. cool now. Ah.
2: we cool now. I know, we good, we good. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Somebody stab
2: him. Yeah, anyway. A lot of shit
1: happening so far this week, man. Actually, some sad news in terms okay. of our community. Sister Cicely Tyson has passed away.
2: Cicely Tyson just had a birthday, 96 years old. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So rise and power, Cicely Tyson, one of the most beautiful, Black women to ever walk yeah. the planet
1: Earth. Gifted you know I mean? actress. Everybody remember Sounder, like one of the like you know world famous movies that she made. She made hundreds of others. And she was very important to our community. Another very important brother died in our community, Hank Aaron.
2: Hank Aaron. Now, okay. I'm going to play Crackers Advocate right now. So, before Aaron? you do that,
1: yes, sir? I just want to say, yes. home run king. OK. Uh, bet some people say the greatest baseball player of all time. OK, now okay. do your thing. I just want to get that all
2: out. Right. I unite with all that. Uh-oh. He's definitely a powerful baseball player. Uh Now, ladies and gentlemen, Uh three weeks ago, Mm -hmm. two and a half weeks before Hank Aaron uh, transitioned, Mm -hmm. uh, he was on television Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. Andrew Young. True, yes. uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms and a mama. Nope. And a few other people who decided that they were going to promote the COVID vaccine. Uh And he said, on the news, he said he was getting his vaccination because of the fact that he wanted to make sure that black folks we're not afraid mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to get this vaccine that's right that's right now if you rewind the tape a uh, couple shows ago damn. on renegade culture i said you made a premonition <clears throat> no i didn't make a premonition i said listen man i said you know it's sad i'm gonna keep it funky i said it's sad that they trotted these Negros out here mm-hmm. on tv to say to uh convince the populace to say that um i mean to, to go ahead and uh get these uh COVID? non-tested uh, drugs or viruses or whatever the hell they put in this shit. And I said, we will see how long they last afterwards. The lawyer in Meadow is gonna jump in mm-hmm. and say, you know, we have no evidence to suggest
1: that his death was caused by the COVID vaccination. So we just wanna put that
2: out there. But we but, just saying. Okay. <laughs> and the all-day freedom fighter hood nigga from bridgeport connecticut and oh, no. <laughs> we ain't got we don't have no evidence that he didn't oh die yeah. from the vaccination right. so so until we find out and we know oh. that these crackers know oh. these negroes God damn. are gonna dare say that that's what happened we're gonna have to just estimate guesstimate he looked pretty goddamn healthy on he, the show he like, did i mean before that
1: thing but let's move yeah. on though because some other some other crazy's been happening in the community we wanted to bring up there is, um, just in terms of like events that's taking place, so there's these sisters, and the sister in Harlem who was in a store, and yes. she was trying to buy something, and then she was approached by these dudes who were trying to talk to her. She said she wasn't interested, and as opposed to leaving her alone, apparently these cats walked her outside the store and attacked her, and this is making news all over the place, and these folks are still, for the most part, as far as we know, on the loose. Um, so we just want to talk about that real quick
2: now um they actually bit this sister in her face uh they bit her on tried to bite her eye out she said um they brutally attacked her now I would like to say some things but I don't want to say it on air because you know I don't want no one to say that you know I said go out and chop their fucking heads off and You don't want nobody to say that and 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 and, and, and just brutally assault them and mm. just take okay. them to the heavens I don't, I don't want to say that can
0: i say something
2: what you got, what what you got what you some
0: fuck boy shit and they need to get their ass beat they, they,
2: they need more than an ass whooping they need to be stomped to, to their fucking smoothies and somebody gonna soup this uh slurp their ass off the fucking ground <laughs> so um we don't condone yeah No um, oh my clowns out there who are terrorizing these sisters um you know i've gotten a couple of different emails you know sister saying man we hear y'all talking about police terrorism so we want to say for the record we're not for anyone any of these secondary predators assaulting our community especially black women and babies so um you know if you see these cats out there um you know find someone that that, that, that has the heart to do whatever needs yeah. to be done
1: so a last topic we want to bring up uh right here on this part of the show is that you know sort of a hilarious just a position Everybody knows about the riots. A few weeks ago at the Capitol, um, folks are pointing out one particular black rider named Emmanuel Jackson uh, tried to, thought he was with the white boys. He could do what the white boys did. Mm -hmm. And apparently other folks are getting, and the white girls actually, let's not exclude them, other folks are getting bailed out all over the place. But apparently this dude is still locked up and he's been denied bail for his participation. In the, in, the, in the so-called uh, um, uh, riot or rebellion, whatever the fuck they think they was doing. So he's still locked up. So even though you think that Trump is your man, when it comes down to it, you ain't getting no bail. You still a black man in America, and you got to remember that.
2: Well, this cat, he actually turned himself in. Turned himself in. Um, he was seen on camera uh, hitting the uh, uh, police officer police officer's mm. shields with, with a bat and all that type of crazy shit. What's his name? Emmanuel Lewis? Emmanuel Jackson. Emmanuel Jackson. Okay. <laughs> Emmanuel
0: Lewis. Yeah.
1: Emmanuel
2: Jackson, you got to be one of the most stupidest niggas I've met in all my days. And I ain't even meet you. But I'm just no. saying, you got to be one of the dumbest, man. No, I I get- I mean, first of all, you took your little black ass up in there with these proud boys mm-hmm. and other homegrown terrorists, mm-hmm. and you decided that you was going to go act a fool. Now, while we're against the state, we know that there's consequences. You That's understand? Right. So right. you can't do what white folks do. That's right. You're going to end up where you're at, in prison. Yes. So
1: real quick, though, so, we got two new Patreons. OK. You want to shout them out, Ear Doctor? Yo, big up to Roima and Roima Maya oh, you and fuck up. I fucked it up. OK, go ahead. Just try it again. <laughs> Roima Maya and, and Trey. Big up to Roima. We think Trey only gave his first name because he didn't want the Ear Doctor to fuck up his name. But we thank y'all yeah, Thank, you. thank you for giving all. us some money. We yes. appreciate that. Yeah, right. yeah. So and last but not least, When we come back, yo, we got an all-star guest coming on. We have a Dr. Sharice Burden-Steady, the last dope intellectual. And we're going to get into what racial capitalism is. We'll get into who is the black bourgeoisie and how it affects our community. We're going to talk about all that kind of good shit when we get back on Renegade Culture.
2: Blackout. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to see the white boy look like he rising above us again. Maybe we'll get back in them slave quarters, niggas, and huddle up like we used to do when the white boy didn't know we was doing it. Nigga, we did it in the dark with a candle. nigga. Maybe we'll go back to huddling up in them slave quarters, nigga, trying to plan a way to escape. Chad renegade coaches in the building. Yo, we back on it. What's good, man?
1: Yo, everything is good. I think I was, uh, I missed an important part at the
2: intro uh, about who's our musical guest. You be fucking up sometimes. Oh, fuck you, man. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we have a special musical guest tonight. Who's our musical guest? His brother right here. He's about to drop an EP on. When, by the time y'all see this video, his EP will be bumping on all platforms. All right. He goes by the name is Blue Is Free. Blue Is Free is with us tonight. So you know what all I'm saying? You Thank sure. you, Blue, right, for right. coming on. Set it off and let folks know what time it is. That's right. So let's get to our star guest
1: tonight. Star guest. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to give a little intro because she, she got a lot of like letters behind her name. So we got okay. Dr. Sharice burton Okay. She's a visiting scholar in the Racing Capitalism Project at the University of Chicago. She is currently an assistant professor of Africana Studies and Political Science at Carlton College. Um, she has written co-written a book with Gerald Horne about W.E.B. Du Bois on the life of American history. Yes. And she is about to drop her own book, tentatively titled Black Scare, Red Scare, in which she examines the rise of the United States to global hegemony between World War I and the early Cold War. So, without further ado, Dr. Sherry. Burden Stelly. Thank you. Why well, you give a look, though? I did your name right? I just added some oomph to it. it some oomph to
3: your name. How you doing, sis? You, I didn't know you was going to put the Cookie Monster voice on. It caught me I'm Yeah, sorry. you know, I was, was oh, that
2: like, He did sound like Cookie Monster. You right. You don't know, like, you know, like that? I was like, you know, like, I was like I'm okay, like, damn. I'm, I'm, I, I thought it was just me and she's like, sona. <laughs> <laughs> Shabba. Shabba. I, thought, <laughs> I thought he was going to start dancing and shit. You like this other brother that interviewed her recently. Oh, but anyway, welcome to Renegade Culture.
3: Thank you for having me. Yes. cool. cool. Um, talk to
2: us about uh, what's going on in, where, where are you now? The Windy City, or what? What's...
3: I'm in Chicago, Yeah, In Chicago. I uh, South relocated South. here in September. OK,
2: okay. So, so a lot of Africans out in Chicago, I suppose.
3: I'm in a house, it's a pandemic, so I don't know.
1: <laughs> okay, all right, all right. To check. <laughs>
2: See, like, I haven't been seeing no African's letters. OK, we're just checking.
3: So our topic only today Only this is African.
1: About, oh, what you said?
3: Oh, I've only been seeing this African being myself in my house, so. True, true. Our
1: topic tonight, our main topic we wanted to talk about was racial
3: capitalism. Um, it, we have
1: a very educated audience, of course. But we wanted to talk about some of the things around how capitalism impacts our society and, and some of the differences between uh, how folks describe the workings of capitalism. So some folks talk about, I guess it's kind of uh, hitting the scene now, people are talking about racial capitalism. you got organizers, activists, academia folks are talking about it um, and talking about how it's endemic within capitalism in terms of racism and how that challenges some old school Marxist capitalism that talks about centering the workers. So could you give us a little bit of like history about, uh, the term racial capitalism and why it's so important to talk about capitalism through the lens of racism, as opposed to just capitalism as something that impacts all workers.
2: And that had to be the longest question you had in quite a while. Was okay. it good? So <laughs>
3: so
2: you what talking about you, so.
3: Okay, so the term racial capitalism essentially came into, I would say, the the popular discourse in the United States. Um, Theoretically, in 1983, when um, Cedric Robinson published the book, Black Marxism, but in my perspective, it was really with the republication in 2000, that people really started taking up this term and this framework of racial capitalism, which as uh, Kamau stated, is essentially this idea that you cannot understand capitalism without understanding racism, and also that these two processes or these two systems arose simultaneously. So that's essentially what the idea of racial capitalism is. Um, so there's a particular Cedric Robinson genealogy, and then there's another South African genealogy that uh, the historian Peter James Hudson brought this genealogy to our attention more recently in an article called The Dark Proletariat. And essentially what he's what he argues is that during the time, in the 1980s as well, there were a bunch of Black activists, South Afri- Black South African activists who are part of the Black consciousness movement who are using this term racial capitalism to understand the political economy of South Africa. And they use it as a critique of both the liberalism um, of white folks who are saying that, you know, um, basically racism could be resolved through uh, liberal capitalism. And they were also critiquing the Orthodox Marxists who are saying that race was um, subordinate to capitalism. And so they use this term racial capitalism to um, really describe the political economy of apartheid. So those are two different genealogies. Generally speaking, when people have heard of racial capitalism, they have heard it through Cedric Robinson. So that's the sort of background of the term.
1: And why is it important that, like, why do people need to seek sort of capitalism through a racialized lens, let's say, for like America 2020?
3: Well, I would say for a number of reasons. Number one, because black people are uh, the most exploited in the system, so black people and racialized and oppressed people more broadly but my work particularly looks at at black people and blackness. And so um, basically what Robinson did that was very, very fruitful was critique this idea that the white proletariat or the white working class are the sort of historical subjects. What he was saying is that no, the people who were enslaved and the people who are super exploited are actually the sort of subjects of history, so to speak, because they're challenging multiple forms of oppression, not least racialism or processes of racialization. And so I guess in um, you know, layman's terms, it's important to understand racial capitalism to describe dynamics like last hired, first fired, right, which applies to black folks to understand. So in the 1960s, um, the League of Revolutionary Black Workers talked about niggermation, And this pro- this process of niggermation is basically that profit and speed up was built on the backs of black workers, right? And black workers were losing limbs. They were dying. They were getting sick from working in these very sort of uh, inhumane and very uh, speeded up conditions. And so all of that to say that all workers are exploited, but there's a special kind of oppression that accrues around black workers. And so if we're really gonna both understand and overthrow capitalism, we need to center um, black people or what has historically been called like the Negro question.
2: Okay, we we talk about capitalism. Oftentimes um, black folks are confused and, they believe that there's a such thing as, as a black capitalist. Can you speak on that? Um, you know, what What's your thoughts on it? Do you believe that there are a black capitalists, or do they just qualify themselves as aspiring capitalists? You have so many black folks who aspire to be capitalists, but they are, in, in, in essence, aspiring capitalists. What are your thoughts on that? Do you believe that there's a such thing as a black capitalist?
3: I mean, I can aspire to be Beyonce. That don't make me her. So, I mean, we can aspire all we want to. But if you look at what actually constitutes capitalism, see, this is the other reason why racial capitalism is important, because it points out colonialism, imperialism, and war, and who has control of the state. Those are the the actual foundations of capitalist accumulation. Black people don't own no fucking commanding heights. Black people don't own no means of production. Black people don't own no mines right? If, especially, especially if we're talking about African Americans in particular. Now there's something to be said about um, media and something like maybe Title, right? Jay-Z owns Title, which is a sort of media company. So some people argue that he owns a particular means of production as it relates to entertainment. But no, because generally speaking, Black entertainment don't own channels of distribution, right? They don't own like, central levers in the entertainment system. Even if you look at Oprah, for example, she has her, her own network. That ain't her shit, that is discovery, right? That is a subsidiary of discovery. And so it's a sort of, it's akin to like the Comprador class in the global South, right? So it's a sort of dependent contingent class that is fundamentally predicated on the super exploitation of largely black folks. Cause those tend to be the captive markets. Cause if these black capitalists are not competing with large white corporations right? So they're basically the, their accumulation is built on um, basically exploiting largely black workers, right? Because if you look at it, black businesses are largely small or medium-sized proprietorships. They tend to have only one employee or they employ their family and those family members are working for what? Free or for very low wages. Um, And they're, they tend to be in sort of um, industries like retail or salons or things like that. And so in a general sense, Black people are not capitalists. Black capitalism is a mythology. And if, of course, if people have read um, Jared Ball's The Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power, he really breaks this down that this is just, is basically um, a hustle to sell. It was, you know, a hustle by the Black press to sell newspapers and a hustle by white corporations to have a particular captive, um, to have a particular captive market by arguing that Black people have this capital from their ability to both produce and and consume, and it's bullshit.
2: Since we're on that, on this particular topic, uh, the whole black bank phenomenon is big right now. You know what I mean? Um, We have folks like Killer Mike, you know, who's swearing by the whole (laughs) black banking system. We have folks asking us uh, as as late as uh, 35 minutes ago (laughs) about us back banking black. What's your thoughts on that? Because of the fact, I think that uh, the masses are confused, and they actually believe that, you know, like you spoke on Oprah, that we actually own some shit that we don't have.
3: The only thing that Killer Mike is killing is his understanding of banking. Like, it's 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 all a no. So let's just say, I mean, there's... I mean, I could go into the minutia of it, but again, I just recommend um, the, the book, The Color of Money, or Jared Ball's book, The Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power, that really breaks down why Black banking is an impossibility. Black banks tend to lose money through deposits because that's not the banks don't make money through deposits and savings, right? They make money through lending. Um and who they gonna lend to our broke asses? No. So so it's it's not it's it's another sort of it's part of this kind of like linear progress narrative, right? Where like the more we move through time, the better off black people uh, become because ostensibly the better they are integrated into society and the better they're able to model capitalism mm-hmm. but if we understand how capitalism actually works we know that that is not the case and so this is all mythology it's all um, it's a class politics it's a class hustle so that a few black people can make some money um, but it's still, it's still it's baby money so Chris Rock the comedian you remember he had this joke where he was like he he's a very rich and affluent entertainer. He said, I live in this very ritzy neighborhood. His neighbor was a dentist. He said, you know what it would take for a black dentist to live in my, my neighborhood? They would have to invent teeth. Mm-hmm. And then he said, if Bill Gates had Oprah's money, he would jump out the window and slit his throat on the way down. So it's like black people got money, but they don't got money money, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's just, all of this is just, um, is just, you know, a uh, false ideology in my perspective.
1: Yeah. So when we come back, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to get more into this sort of interceding black class struggle um, and talk a little bit more about why this black elite continues to push the idea that we all can become independently wealthy if we just stick to sort of a capitalist model. So we're going to do that. We come back on Renegade Culture.
0: <laughs> Yo, this is Renegade Culture. I'm the Ear Doctor. And this is your Quick Mix Fix right here. Let's go.
2: my dear, my dear, my dear, you don't know me, but I know you very well. Yeah, renegade coaches Ooh, in the building. I was one of the worst, but you know, we You, z- you z- z- It's z- 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 uh,
1: you try, you keep trying. I'm man.
2: provocative. What's happening? Ooh, you ugly.
1: We back with Dr. <laughs> CBS oh. Show.
2: Wait, come on, there's a beard. I just noticed it. You like that? It's like, yeah, it's cool. Uh shit. Okay. Get it out. Yeah, good, it. good. Get one out. Get We're one like out. A whole bunch of old ass Q-tips that broke and shit. They just glued that shit on the side of your face. Like, but anyway, keep on moving. All right. We're here with our guest tonight. <laughs> Dr. CBS. Dr. CBS. You ever been on a
1: podcast like this before? I don't think so. This is like the best podcast you've ever been on, right? Best so it's far. the
2: number one podcast. Number one podcast, the very best. Yes, there you go. There the the, you the go. only wow. one close to it was Dr. Jared Ball. I mix what I like. Yeah. And there's a reason why his show's so dope. Cause yeah. he has, he's had us on it. So that's
1: that's probably why it shows. Right. Right. That
3: one was like.
1: Oh, true. Oh. Okay, all Yo, right. Yo, so let's get back into it. So okay. when we left off, we were starting to talk a little bit about, I'd say, the middle class, and or that's not even the class. Sort of the elite black folks, elite black folks who seem. To feel like their responsibility is to make us beholden and or allegiant to a system of capitalism and want to do everything possible to keep that going. And obviously, what they have um, in terms of their desire to do that is their own personal wealth. Um, but what, what is the, talk about what you think the basic function and role the of the petty bourgeois yeah, black class is in sort of American capitalist system.
3: So I mean historically the the black you know bourgeoisie if we read with my man E. Franklin Frazier this is like the original copy of black bourgeoisie they have always served like a managerial function right they have the black bourgeoisie essentially served a sort of buffer between the actual ruling class and then the overwhelming majority of black folks and the interesting thing about like the black the black bourgeoisie is that because the incomes the income differentials are not vast right They're very, very close. And so a lot of class differentiation within the black community is cultural. It has to do with cultural capital and performance and decorum. And this is where we get things like racial uplift or politics of respectability, right? And so essentially black folk, I would say like the black bourgeoisie because of their proximity to the black masses, right? They, it's only very, very recently that they were able to move away from, you know, the masses of Black folks in a general sense, you know, especially in the era of Jim Crow, everybody, all the Black folks live together irrespective of income or irrespective of class. It's only very recently that, you know, Black flight has been a possibility. And so there's a way in which the Black middle class has really been invested in disciplining poor Black people and disciplining working Black people because whatever violence is meted out against that group, is very, very proximate to the middle class group, right? And whatever the stereotypes are about poor black people and the masses of black people, then also can apply to um, this group of blacks, this group of bourgeois Negroes who feel that, you know, um, they ought to be on the same plane as white folks. The only thing that's hindering them is their blackness, right? And this class of folks also believes in what I call the butt for logic, right? that the United States would indeed and in fact be the greatest country on earth, but for racism. And so that's why they can be very, very militant when it comes to challenging racism, but very, very backward or very, very um, oppressive when it comes to issues of capitalism, because their whole fight against racism is to be better incorporated and better inscribed into the capitalist system. It's not for black liberation.
2: So let's talk about that in, within the, uh, the organizing circle. You know, because I think that one thing that uh, that's often overlooked is the fact that there's serious class struggle amongst uh, the grassroots, amongst academia. Um, let, let's talk about that. How has that played out? Um, you know, in your in your travels. You know, how how do you see uh, this whole struggle, this class struggle, playing out amongst the the, the so-called rebels or the so-called uh, organizers? You
3: know. Well, you know, I actually don't have an organizing or activist background. I'm just I'm just a lowly academic, but what I can't, so I can only speak from the perspective of <laughs> raggedy ass academics. And so, you know, Walter Rowney talked about how, you know, Black, the Black intelligentsia are really enemies of the people until proven otherwise. And I think that we see this playing out in real time. So we see Black academics claiming they're sort of activist bona fides, right? They might've like flew over Ferguson or they might go and like hand out a few hot meals and then they, you know, to them, they're in these streets. And so I think that there's a lot of um antagonism between actual grassroots organizers, people who are actually doing that work, who feel very, very hostile to these, you know, these fly, these flyby academics parading as activists and organizers who then get the money, they get the grants, they get all of these sort endorsement deals, book deals, going to the Grammys and doing all this extra shit um to the detriment of the actual movement on the ground and and i think that the other aspect of so somebody like Stacey abrams i think we need to really consider in this framework because she's getting all of these snaps in class because of um the black superwoman trope on the one hand but also because of the her challenge to voter suppression on the other hand right and so she's being compared to like fannie lou hamer which i'm list anyway she's being compared (laughs) to all of these sort of very very radical and militant people who are doing this type of work because it's very confusing. People think that whipping votes, right? is is objectively sort of progressive or radical. But if you look at who's funding her, if you look at what she actually stands Mm -hmm. for other than enfranchisement, um, she, she is not, she's not progressive, right? Or she's not, she's progressive in the, in the American sense, but she, there's nothing radical or leftist about her. Um, And I think that again, because of the, The way what's confusing about it is because of the ways in which black folks can be militantly anti-racist, but still invested in the system. This is where it becomes very confusing, whereby she can be seen as like uh, a radical or seen as somebody who's really on the side of the people when um, I don't know that that's the case.
2: Do you think it's fashionable now because of the climate? Because I think a few years ago, folks like her, uh, we, we didn't really hear a peep from them. And I think that with all the uh, the, the, the racial uprisings mm-hmm. and you know the fact that it's in the forefront right now and it's, it's it's cool to talk about it on on the radio and on TV. Do you think that's a, a big part of of her existence right now, or, of her radical quote unquote nature?
3: Yeah, I mean, because it's easy to be like cops shouldn't shoot black people. We fucking know, like, you know, ain't nothing radical about that, right? There's nothing really radical about that statement. But if you, you know, if you any sort of bourgeois Negro in your Chanel suit and you go on MSNBC and say that shit, you can ostensibly, you can align yourself de facto with these movements that are happening on the ground when really you wouldn't bust a grape in a fruit Mm fight, really. And so I think that, yeah, I think it is part of this milieu um, that she's able to sort of say some of the right things that make it seem like she's like with the shit when um, I would, I um, do not think that that's the case. So
1: it, also, it seems like I mean part of this seems to be like you know we've talked about this a little bit before, and it, it extends past this. But movement capture, right? Like so, there's there's these rich foundations and individuals who give money uh, to support uh, either academia or activist organizers. They're the ones who give roles to actors and actresses. Um, and they're the ones who pay for the sort of political class to run. Um, and so it seems like folks are so captured by that money. And, and is, uh, you know, post, I think you, you mentioned this, like post the 60s and 70s, I would say, like, you know, obviously the Obama era ushered in this time period where the sky's the limit. So there's no longer this um, being, being sort of next to black folks, black, black, I mean, next to poor working class black folks. Now the black elite thinks, that, and they're right, they can become the president, the secretary of state, and all that kind of stuff. So they're even like cutting ties to the larger black population.
2: I want to I add right. to that um definitely appreciate you saying that you don't have a background in organizing because of the fact that most of these uh, academics are so arrogant with their shit that they've created this whole facade of I am a I'm a grassroots organizer because of the fact that I said that like you said the the, the police shoot people. You know what I'm saying? But because I said that. Uh, shouldn't be locked up mm. I mean that that's you know that that's uh that that's a beautiful thing that you can come out of your mouth and say that that's a uh good to hear some truth around it you know? i have
3: a PhD I'm I'm an ideas man as I say <laughs> like my historical task is to redistribute resources from the from the academy to society intellectual resources but also material resources to the best of my ability and to um so again Walter Rodney talks about waging struggle where you're at so As an academic, my job is to like support contingent faculty, to not let, you know, the administration boss me around to do what I want, you know, to do what I want to do and teach the classes in the way that I want to teach. And, you know, every student is a potential comrade. And so to approach my class in that way, but that's my job. And, you know, um, I don't have any, you know, any dog in the fight of having to pretend like I'm an activist or an organizer. Cause I, you know, I'm in community and in solidarity with people who actually do that work and I see what that work is. And I would never purport to do that work just like they would never purport to do the work that I do. And so like, I think that when you're part of a community and when you have, when you are, you understand what I would call mutual comradeship, you don't have to fake the funk because you have relationships with people who actually do that work and you can be of service to those people without trying to, you know, inhabit what the work that they actually do.
2: Shout out to Walter Rodney, because Walter Rodney is one of our unsung warriors and heroes out of Guyana. Um, for those of you who don't know... Patricia
3: Rodney, too. Don't sleep on Patricia Rodney. D- definitely Patricia Rodney. In Atlanta, Rodney. still alive. We, we,
2: we, we, actually, had, great. we actually had still her nephew. organizing. We <laughs> actually had his yes. nephew on the show. So, um, you know, definitely uh, Roscoe. Yeah, yeah. So we, we definitely, uh, you know, he, he's one of those brothers who are... And, and, like you said, Patricia Rodney, who are always overlooked. Um, you know, this brother was so, so cold, they had to, to, to blow him up mm-hmm. with a car bomb, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, it, yeah. It's, it, this is modern times. A lot of times, when you talk about um, assassinations, mm-hmm. folks go back to the 60s and all of that, as if, you know, shit didn't happen in the yeah, 80s or yes, the 90s or, or the 2000s or whatever.
1: Maurice Bishop and all that shit, yeah. Definitely, definitely. So we're going to come back to our third segment. So we want to hit on sort of the international aspects of capitalism. And the super exploitation, exploitation that happens, uh, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, overseas
1: yeah. and here, and and again, how we as black folks are now being tied to that super exploitation, particularly the elite, because we refuse to stand apart from it and to do work against it. So we're gonna be back with Dr. CBS when we come back, Renegade Culture. Renegade Culture. <laughs>
2: There is something you can't understand. I could just shoot a man. Shoot a man? What is it, shoot a man? What is it? Oh, Killer man, God. my bad. Oh, man. Oh, wow. No, this nigga from Canarsie. Oh. Anyway, Broke renegade man. coach is in the building. Bro. Elijah Jamba Chang is in the joint. Kamal K. Franklin. Kamal's from fucking. Shut
1: the fuck up. <laughs> Yo, we here at Dr. CBS. Sporting okay. a community movement builder shirt. Roll okay. It. let's give okay. it up. Let's give it up. Chill. Say, what happened say, with that? Say, give it up for the community movement made that one too. All right. right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to get back into her. We've covered some some um, some different things that have been happening but wait what? before you go there. What happened, brother? I want to
2: shout out her Who? beverage because oh. uh, Naka said she was drinking lacrosse. La-Crosse. <laughs> Can yeah, she you hold drink, up she's drinking too? some sports. Don't give him no yeah, it's, it's like, right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> sort of like Saint Croix. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Everybody ready? Let's do it. Let's go. Let's get
1: back. So we wanted to we wanted to end this, we'll do this third segment and talk a little bit about international relations. And how black folks, you know, have not sort of have, have taken a back seat and have stopped sort of being a proponent. At least those again uh, in the elite class have accepted U.S. imperialism as just a part of them participating in the system. It's business as usual. It's business as usual. That's right. and so I think we're having our first ever black Secretary of Defense. And again, you have folks like being like, "Yeah, hey, it's a black Secretary of Defense." I think you even had like a, a New York Times writer recently come out and try to sort of split hairs and say how important it is and not to talk about sort of the imperialism of, US, of the United States. So all I, all I have to say is, what, what do you think has happened in terms of, uh, why do you think the black uh, bourgeoisie has sort of been brought off and have decided just to not even talk about foreign affairs anymore?
3: Yeah, so interestingly, this same saying- person talk about, don't talk about imperialism also thinks the U.S. is a caste society. So we could take what (laughs) she got to say with a grain of salt. Um, In any event, um, essentially one way to understand this is that basically after World War II, when the U.S. entered into the Cold War, part of the way in which it was able to um, implement civil rights was through the disciplining of the left, specifically the Black left. And so this is why we see Um, state violence against people like W.B. Du Bois, Paul Robeson, um, Shirley Graham Du Bois, Alpheus Hunton, Vicky Garvin, um, William Patterson, the list goes on and on. And that becomes very significant because part of that radicalism was a strong internationalist analysis and strong internationalist ties. And as as the U.S. granted sort of nominal liberal civil rights, part of that bargain was for civil rights to be renationalized. So delink it from broader struggles Um, you know, happening in the global South, linked from issues of decolonization, for example, and simply, you know, struggle for liberal rights and recognition. And so I think that we're still seeing the ramification of that today, where, you know, the Black ruling class ain't got no analysis. One example of this, for example, is like the, the Congressional Black Caucus. So if you recall, like in 1993, for example, with the Rwandan genocide, they didn't know what to do, like, because it was too, you know, too... Black groups, right? Two African um, groups. They didn't know what side the. U- they had no sort of sense of how the U.S. should intervene. And by the time they came out with the policy, um, the massacre had already ended. And so there's a way in which, um, and there's you know, there's the sort of the Zionism of the black ruling class. So there there's just so much um, that that they don't understand about foreign policy. And I think that that's part of the tacit agreement: we will allow black folks to be in this position of power. But they can't speak against empire, right? They can't go against um, U.S. foreign policy and U.S. You know, US international policy and in practice. And um, I think that you know that, that's basically the orientation of, of the entire um, you know black politically uh, political class, especially the sort of the national political class.
1: And do you think that I mean, in, in this day and age, in terms of like some of the stuff that's happening? Uh, around the world, the expansion of AFRICOM. Um, obviously, you spoke a little bit about sort of a Zionism and, um, and a, a, a large support amongst the black political class for that. Um, so, you, you know, in terms of solutions or answers and so forth, like, what do you think is necessary to, to sort of fight back against this sort of what, what I'm going to call a black ruling class that's over the black masses and even over the black agenda?
2: Or well, should we say comprador class? Yes, sir.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that obviously we need a a broad-based leftist movement. I believe should be that I believe should be black-led. I think that we probably need, we definitely need a third party, which I also think should be black-led or have a black third party entirely. Uh, We have to, we have to get our international analysis up. I think we need to close all of the 800 bases um, throughout the, you know, throughout the world that the United States have. We definitely need to shut down Africom. Um, I think that there's a broad sort of inter, you know, we need to end sanctions, sanctions against Iran, Venezuela, Cuba, and all of, especially against these countries that have, um, you know, that are, that are socialist or that are antagonistic to the United States. Um, North Korea is another one. So I think that we need to really think about the the relationship between imperialism abroad and imperialism at home, because the militarism that we um, implement Throughout the world is directly linked to police occupying forces. Here, we know about the militarization of the police. Like we know about the ways in which the police serve as as occupying forces in our communities to keep us trapped in, um, you know, ghettoized areas and to to keep us out of areas where we ostensibly don't belong. And as U.S. imperialism continues to reach its asymptote, right, or continues to reach its limits, all of that violence is going to get turned inward. And as we know, because Black people are historically the internal enemies all of that violence is, is going to continue to sort of roll downhill against our communities and so it will behoove even if it's self you know even if it's just in self interest it will behoove us to have solidarity with communities in in the caribbean you know in asia in africa so that we can you know so that as us um, imperialism collapses which it ultimately will we have a broad based we have broad based sort of networks and connections that um, will help us absorb that blow um, because, you know, historically, if, we, if you follow the work of Gerald Horne, as I do, what his work conveys is that Black people have always had these international connections. It's the way that we've been able to sustain, sustain ourselves against the state, whether it was aligning with the British during the World War of 1812, whether it was aligning with Japan, whether it was Afro-Asian solidarity, whether it was tri-continentalism, whether it was a non-aligned movement, Black people have always Maneuvered beyond the state because our citizenship has always been tenuous at best anyway, so
2: It's funny you talk about well, not funny Um, you talk about the 800 plus military bases around the world and their connection to police terrorism here We know that um, here in Georgia for instance uh, at Georgia State Mm -hmm. they have um, uh, The Israeli police force actually trains uh, Local and state police in this particular area. How would you see? um what do you suggest as far as combating and bringing awareness to the masses? Because I think that the thing about uh, our people, you know, with, with such a loss on such a grand scale, that when you talk about 800 plus military bases, that that's that's like a foreign uh, thought. No one even believes mm-hmm. that the U.S. could have that many military bases around the country. No one believes that there's over a thousand different police agencies inside of the United States. You know, folks always talk about the FBI is watching and the CIA, but they don't know about all of these other different agencies who are are not even in collaboration because you know they actually bump heads and, and, and run into each other in, in, in many cases, as mm-hmm. we saw with mm-hmm. the Black Panther Party, the of New Africa, so on and so forth. How do you, uh, as a, uh, coming from your line of work, what do you suggest as far as us, uh, um, highlighting or educating the masses in regards to what's going on and and organizing them, getting to a state of organization where we can actually make this a reality as far as shutting these bases down.
3: Yeah, well, because, I mean, look, look around us, right? If you want to talk about military bases and occupying forces, the majority of military bases are concentrated in the South, right? right? Mm -hmm. Everybody, most people in a major city live in a city that has a U.S. military base, objectively speaking, right? And we can name them. I'm from a place called Tucson, Arizona, which is not a, ma- uh, it's not, um, a major, it's uh, whatever, major metropolitan area, but it has something called Davis monthan Air Force Base. It's also one of the hubs of Raytheon, right? And so like, but it's so normalized because, you know, I heard somewhere like Raytheon like has a partnership with the fucking Girl Scouts, right? And so it's so like these war industries like Mo- Lockheed Martin uh Lockheed Martin, Blackwater, Raytheon, etc. So these private corporations that fund things like the expansion of the military-based complex, they're so normalized. We see them as sponsors. They give money to HBCUs. They're at every um job fair, right? They are they get. they they fund um uh, these black institutions, right? And so I think um we need to first of all just being conscious of that. That it's all around us, but being, um, being cognizant of like the work that that does, right? That all of these, you know, APAC is also investing. APAC is the, the largest Zionist lobby. they they sort of have all these campaigns as well at HBCUs, right? To combat, to combat um, the spread of BDS or to combat, you know, the, the rise of um, pro, you know, pro-Palestinian solidarity. And these are, these are all Linked to sort of to militarism and militarism is constitutive in my perspective of racial capitalism. And so I think just pointing out the fact that like, there's a military base in your town, in your city, there's a private or a public prison in your, in your city or in your town, right? In some places that prison or that jail is the largest employer. And this is, this is problematic, right? Because concomitant or alongside the fact that, um, the jail is the largest employer means that there's no other j- there's no other employment for people and so people object they they support jails because mm-hmm. that's where the only pl- one of the only places they have to work and then Walmart right and so these these are these are objective realities and so i think that um just you know just making that clear but also you know mainstreaming socialism mainstreaming mutual aid and a sort of community ethic so that people know that another world is possible Right. That there is an alternative to this shit. Like it's the struggle. It's an uphill battle. But there is an alternative and it ain't black capitalism
2: for, for the uh, the listeners. For, because we have a, a wide array and range of listeners. Why black socialism?
3: Because black people are the vanguard and socialism is, is simple, right? It is um, to each according to his need, from each according to his ability. His or her or their, whichever, right? And you know, who can't get behind that?
2: No doubt. Damn, we like to thank you for coming on Renegade Culture. Dr. CBS lived up to a joint tonight. I thought so too, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? She added a little
1: little, little, little something, okay, to the show. Okay,
2: and I see why the other interviewer the other day was like,
1: oh, Dr. CBS. Oh, Dr. CBS, you're so great.
2: (laughs) All praises do, all praises do. She was like, she was the Buddha. So, I'm gonna I'm
3: gonna look for my my uh 12 pack of Lacroix in the mail.
2: Uh-oh. Oh, oh, oh. he
3: wanted to talk
2: shit. <laughs> ear, and, 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 and that was the ear doctor. Ear doctor will Passion be senior. You got the ear fruit. doctor. Passion we, fruit. We
3: don't promote those
2: brands. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and, and by the way, that was the ear doctor. So if you wanna say instead of saying fuck renegade coach, make sure you say fuck the ear doctor. In your Yo. ear with Rosie Greer. So really you know quick,
1: I mean? uh, Dr. CBS, how can people follow your work and check your work out?
3: Uh, my website is doctor. So it's dr-cbs.com. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, Black Left AF. Um, that's it. Tap in.
1: OK, okay, OK, OK. Thank you so much for coming on.
2: When we come back, we got Blue is free, because he's going to show you why he's free. Boom. Renegade culture. Blackout.
1: So, so. I just want
4: to dance with you Come on, come on I just want to dance with you Come on, come on I just want to
2: A renegade coach, we back yeah. at you. You know Yo. what I'm saying? We here. Yo, man, it's been a pretty heavy show.
1: Yeah, man, that was a really good show. Dr. CBS really like broke down a lot of shit on racial capitalism. You know what I mean?
2: Okay. That's i your fa- it. That's your favorite word. So been I have use racial capitalism. capitalism. Racial capitalism. Okay. Make sure y'all taking notes for this show. Make sure y'all taking notes. Okay. Dictionaries and thesaurus is out. Okay. Got exactly. Minister Sherwood, man. True, indeed. You know what I'm saying? Minister with is potty mouth. What? me. Ooh. me luckily that'll be out. i will be edited what out. I'm hey. <laughs> what I'm talking Spoken about? What I'm
0: talking
3: about?
2: Spoken like a true minister. Uh huh. <laughs> the minister. I saw you had uh. Who oh, uh, I had? You was chilling
1: with uh Minister Slaughter. Slaughter. That's right. The trap preacher, yo. Yeah. I was a little like I came into. The space uh, down in the the Pittsburgh area here in Atlanta, Uh we walked in, you know, he's doing the show. He said, he's like, I don't know who you cats are. He's like, I don't got my piece with me.
2: I don't feel comfortable.
1: My man stopped what he was doing. He walked off stage. He came back with a black bag. He's like, I got my
2: shit with me now put it down in front. So he tried to play you like a sucker. He know who I am. I don't know. He let's let you. What the fuck you get that from, yeah. nigga? Get, he are you getting? He I'm. He's like, I don't, I like, I don't know who your little punk ass
1: is. I, got, I ain't chomping. That's wait, like respect, b. That's, That's right. Like, I get my gat you know that nigga went he got He
0: was got. shook. He was like, yo, let me get my gat around. Come, Come out. I know how you get. Oh, yeah.
2: You know, you was scared of him. nigga went and got his notepad. But anyway. Who we got with us, bro? We got one man straight out of the ATL. True. His brother right here. I first heard of him through a band he had called the Movements. The Movement. Oh, I like Movements. that. I like that. He was a rocking. Real hard. All right. Then he was rocking an A three C. Ooh, okay. You know what I'm saying? I think they had the whole, the whole setup at A three C if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden this brother right here, he's been, you know, had some serious uh music coming up out of his camp all you right. know what i'm saying we have a, a a young fella i know who's uh we have a mutual relative we're oh, talking about him right now because cuz he uh Uh-oh. uh him and we minister serve be we going to talk me. about
1: him right now it'll <laughs> be a whole
2: number show him and <laughs> minister serve but he'll oh. be yeah. back again he on punishment? is
1: he on punishment he or something He, he on punishment,
2: on punishment. Uh-huh. anyway this brother uh-huh. right here he has an ep coming out this saturday that's right when you all see this you you be able to go ahead and download this ep it's some hot shit. i heard some exclusives they got a couple videos coming out oh mm-hmm. man blue is free is in the building Blue is free. Blue is free. Blue, blue. thank blue. y'all for having me brother no doubt man coming, what's good man tell, tell us uh you know a little something about that musical background i gave him a little uh a little taste
0: man the movement music is the label um we got like four and a half artists one that we developing i'm sorry yeah, we developing it. What's the half? Oh, <laughs> you still developing? Okay, We're still developing. I was <laughs> about to so. say they got Midget MC. <laughs> <laughs> Bushwick Bill something with them. <laughs> Go ahead. Go okay, bro. You know, back in the day they used to actually develop these artists and Why spend not? some time that with them in the, in the studio and spend some time with them getting their getting swag right and everything. So we do that over at our camp too, so when they're ready, then we'll have five artists, so that half of artists yeah, will grow up into the fifth artist.
2: No doubt, no yeah. doubt. That, that's something that's rare these days because of the fact that you got cats that just get on the damn SoundCloud and find a beat on the internet, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden- uh, They want to be hip hop stars. And they, and they become that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nas X is one of them, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But anyway, um, tell us about this, uh, this new EP that's coming out. EP, Seven Songs, man. We got seven songs on the EP.
0: Um, I actually dropped a single last year at the beginning of the year. Was supposed to drop the EP, but then COVID hit. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of delayed everything, and um, that that gave me a chance actually to go back and revamp some things um, and get it together. I added a couple songs, took a couple songs away, and I think it, I think it came out better. So it, it come out this Saturday, January 30th, uh, which is my mother's birthday. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna release it on my mother's birthday. Um, I think i was conceived on that day because like nine months okay. later right. i was actually born so i don't know if this my real <laughs> birthday was her or her birthday or whatever so. let's not get too much into that one <laughs> yes, <part. it>
1: <laughs> he, he told us the personal information <laughs> what's the name of the ep did you mention it blue.
2: Um, out the blue out the blue, yeah, right. out out the blue. Yeah. okay so now i actually got to check out some of the videos he has some new videos coming out they just recorded down in dr dominican republic oh right. you know what i'm saying and uh, it's hot footage out there you know what i mean yeah that's
0: actually for for some grown folks so you know. it's definitely for some grown folks for some grown folks
2: now would that be on this on the uh, ep as well or no
0: yeah that that single is called um what's the name of the single one? Mm. yeah real one okay yeah, it's one. called real, real one. one so
2: that video will be out probably middle of february
0: yeah i, I saw my saw out. my
2: son in there cash you know yeah, okay oh, oh, yeah. I, I was like big up to my son that's uh son's one of the artists on the, that uh, particular label as well oh and, and I, I, it's crazy because i was looking at it and i just saw these buttocks shaking in front of my son's face and i was I like know, well i'm involved i thought it was your son's body <laughs> suicide I was like, but the way you was describing it right? <laughs> i was like, like what the hell is going on <laughs> well, man.
1: I, I mean you know it's a the, it's the new generation you can do what you want to do it, yeah, you know, it's it's funny, funny,
2: funny <laughs> think about it not, not the sidetrack uh, one year ago this week there was the kobe uh Bryan incident and mm. Cash was actually on the show with us mm-hmm, last mm-hmm. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And last year he was going by Big Bud Peace. Big bud That's right, big butt yeah, piece. Yeah. yeah, and you said something else, but anyway, we will get back to that. But anyway, <laughs> okay. So we Not have sex, we have seven
0: tracks coming out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We was talking about butts, man. I thought we were supposed to be talking about black capitalism or something like True.
2: that. I, we was talking about black capitalism. You know what I'm saying? black capitalism. <laughs> all part of it. since you talk about butts and black capitalism? Capital. What, your, and black capital. What's your thoughts on black capitalism? Because hey. um, we know we know you operate several different businesses.
0: Man, I think I think we have to su- support our black businesses. It starts there. And I don't think where we actually trying to get to, I don't think we'll get there in our generation. And I don't mm-hmm. think we want to sacrifice to not get there to make sure that our kids are there and our grandkids are there. But we, we simply just have to keep the dollar in the, in the community. Like, um, I, I agree with, I don't want to say segregation, but separation. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I think separation is actually the key. So like this jacket I'm wearing, I got it from Jeff in the West End. Mm-hmm. This this hoodie that I'm wearing, Cash made it. And these shoes, they Versace, but they're by Two Chains. So mm-hmm. the reason I got them was because to support Two Chains. And if we keep spending that dollar in that community, then that's the key to the success of Black capitalism. But until we do that, and we keep spending with the other cultures, because in their cultures they keep their money together. The Jewish people keep their money together the Asians keep their money together the um all of them just just, just all of them man. I can I, I start uh, I was gonna say the Latinos but the Latinos and the Mexicans they keep their money together we the only ones that don't actually have factories and and things that we create to give to ourselves we go to them to kind of subcontract our things out to them to get services from them and we like like dr cbs was saying we only really have services Mm -hmm. like we 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 own business that are that are services but we don't actually create any goods so until we start creating those goods and now we won't we won't be the bill gates these this generation but maybe my grandkids will just like the kennedys built they thing and we build our things now and we can be that
1: do you feel like your your politics are infused in your music it's part of the reason why you've gone into kind of the line of work of not just like uh, being an artist, but being an owner, is that based on your politics too? Absolutely,
0: yeah. absolutely.
1: And absolutely. You, where did your politics come from?
0: Um, just just everyday life, just mm-hmm. what I went through, um, just seeing my family, some struggle, some succeed, and just, just going, going through and seeing failures and going back to successes and not leaning on someone else's check. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying is it's like finding my own check, so I, I feel like I feel like the the gentrification and and things of that nature like how do we combat that? or well, we talk about black capitalism and we know the definition of it. but what's what's the solution is is really the big question mm-hmm. to me so i'm 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 interested in it. I'm not as well versed as dr cbs or anybody like that but yeah, yeah. i do have my questions and none, i have my concerns mm-hmm. <laughs> i do and none of us are
2: no none of us are as well yeah, versus yeah. dr cbs <laughs> definitely not kamal but anyway um <laughs> as, as a label owner and uh a studio owner um you know you're looking to employ more black folks black artists or whatever what, what 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 what's your what's your ultimate goal with that
0: absolutely to to empower starting starting with my community and my community starts with my family that's why I work with my family first, and then um, kind of extended from there to my friends, to, to people that I deal with day to day. That's why I got DJ Black Magic. That's why Cash, Cash is my blood cousin. That's how you say we got a connection um, and family that way. And then the spinoff from them, like Cash got a got a friend, his name is Eddie, like that's my little bro. But we know we're not, we not kin by blood. Yeah. But when you start extending, now you four, four, or, five, four or five degrees removed from the next successful person that you could provide a service for or something of a foundation that you can just start building a community at that point. And I feel like if I do it, if Killer Mike do it, if T.I. do it or everybody else, if, if we doing that and we constantly build and have, have the best interests of the community at heart, then, then the next generations will be able to actually benefit from it more than we did.
1: So we're gonna to jump to another part of the show so you you laid out some very um, good intellectual answers, but now we're gonna we're gonna bring it down a little bit. Because Tarzan, my man, this is not on purpose, this like who's the question the question asker here. Okay. So this is knockers <laughs> nonsense. Yes. This is our bold question. We always ask our artists to pick out of the thousands of questions that are in these bowls. and me hide this from the camera. There's a whole bunch of questions in here. We want you to pick out one of the
0: last time I uh, was we thirty five. Huh? <laughs> that was thousands. I
1: mean, so we want you to pick out a question, dig deep, brother. Yes, sir. And read that question. It's Let me get on the bottom, bottom You got that? Good job. Oh, there you go. Well, you can come back on the show. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> uh, read that question off for us, and then let us know what your answer is.
0: Oh, wow. What R&B soul artist would you like to do a song with quickly? Eric Robeson. Oh. oh. Nice.
1: Uh, hey, Eric nice. Robeson. I actually
0: have some records that... I have recorded that's demoed. Um, and if I can't get at them, Eric calling you, man, I got a couple records that's already that I pinned for you True, right. to be on the Taylor Made just for Eric Robeson. So that's my. My yeah. man Server got a question. Yeah, you know, as, a, as an artist and as an executive, what are, what are some of the biggest challenges that you face when you're looking for new talent as opposed to <laughs> uh, you know being the talent yourself? Um, I always seem to put myself on the back burner over the years. Like I've been doing music for since I moved to Atlanta in 96, so as soon as I got off the boat, I was doing music. And I would always be working on a project for myself. And first, I'm, I'm a producer songwriter. Mm-hmm. So I would meet an artist, and then I would put my project to the side to complete somebody else's project. And I've been really going through this cycle for 25 years where I'll start doing something, and then I'll see somebody that's, that, that I'm feeling or I feel like worthy. Mm -hmm. for 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 me to you know reach down and give them a hand and help them up and that's that's been the challenge the challenge has just been me being able to complete a Mm -hmm. project finally and now I'm here And Saturday it'll be it'll be out
2: well all right right.
0: what's the name of the album
2: give us the name of the EP one more time yeah the EP is um, out the blue out the blue Out the blue 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 is free out the blue where where can they find it
0: everywhere Apple um, iTunes Spotify Amazon Music, um, everywhere you can get it. No mm-hmm. doubt, no doubt.
2: We're gonna have you back on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Blue is Free. He yes about sir. to yeah. rip something up for us real mm-hmm. quick. And he gonna take us out with the fader. Renegade Coach is in the building. Bam. Don't get it fucked up.
4: Renegade culture. It's blue is Free. Yeah, the movement music, please don't confuse it. with none of that bullshit out there you used to, we are the future. Yeah, get them hands up yeah this series for you to stand up get them hands up so get them hands up high. high 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 now reach for the sky 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 yeah yeah stand up just fight for it get some mind together get right for it speak your heart my nigga, like i write forward. yeah yeah I get tight for it, but it's stand up, get them hands up. Get them hands up. Get them hands up. Get them hands up. This is for you to stand up get, up. get them hands up. Get them hands up. Now reach for the sky. Sky, 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 sky. Man, put them hands high. High, 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 high. Get high. Yeah god damn they done it again god damn have mercy when it's ever gonna end a mother lost a son them homies lost them a friend we the only one that's losing when the fuck we gonna win they think we worthless we ain't nothing to them they gun us down in the streets like we ain't a thing they only fucking with us when we live above the rim they let us make it as long as we ain't hiding them boy gone yeah nigga Yes sir boss, I' go going and bring you that ring As long as you cut the check and make me part of the team And I don't care just as long as I blame That see on the screen And I don't care about the just as long as I blame. I don't wanna speak the truth just as long as I sing Don't really care as long as I ain't feeling the pain So this serious for you to stand up Get them hands up, get them hands up, get them hands up This serious for you to stand up, get them hands up Get them hands up, yeah. Now put them hands up. High, sky, 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 sky. Sky. Man, put them hands high, 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 high. High. Yeah. Renegade culture, man. Thank y'all for having me tonight. Blue is free. This is the movement of music. Please don't confuse it with none of that bullshit out there you used to. We are the future. Peace.